0: Hey guys, what's up? Justin here. Uh, Before we get started, a thing that wound up uh, popping up after I was finished with the show, but a follow-up on something that we talked about a few weeks ago. Ron DeSantis, before signing a totally unrelated bill made this comment. And so, yes, they will be considering the congressional map, but they also will be considering termination of all special districts that were enacted in Florida prior to 1968. Does that mean that Disney World is about to lose their own special government? We'll keep an eye on it for you, but I thought it was worth bringing to your attention before we begin the show, which starts right now. The following is brought to you By Will Harris, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hello and welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for April 20th, 2022. Smoke them if you got them. Your old pal Justin Robert Young here joining you from Austin, Texas, for now, because I'm eventually going to be in Ohio, where this ad is airing.
1: Putin's troops aren't the only ones fighting his wars. One of Putin's oligarchs partnered with Jane Timken's family business to build high-capacity freight rail cars, supplying Putin's government with military-grade machinery. Timken's family gets rich, Timken money funds her campaign, and she has the gall to run for United States Senate. Shameless, and Jane Timken is shamefully wrong
0: for Ohio. Club for growth action is and so by special. the way, that's an attack ad against somebody that I'm probably not even going to get time to cover because I am heading out tomorrow or today as you are listening to this. And uh, I'm going to Ohio, uh, uh, rolling right off the plane. I had to change my flight to get in earlier So I can go cover an event where J.D. Vance, who now has the Trump endorsement, is going to be speaking with Donald Trump Jr. Ya boy, there on the ground, sniffing around for vibes, talking to people, figuring out what the deal is. You guys are going to get it uh, through the next few days, through the next few episodes, both on Patreon and on the free feed on Friday. We'll get to that in a second. On today's show... We are going to talk about the mixed messages being sent from the White House when it comes to COVID restrictions. A judge in Florida vacated the travel mask mandate, and over the next subsequent few hours, many of the companies that were obeying with it said that now passengers would be able to wear masks optionally. What does the Biden administration do about that? Do they challenge the ruling? And how does that factor into a current revolt amongst vulnerable Democrats who are pushing back on Biden's border policy? It all ties together. Meanwhile, Biden has told uh, former president Barack Obama that he is going to run in 2024. We go over that rumor and try to suss out exactly why that made its way into the news stream today. And I know, especially on this, the highest of holy days, I was I was teasing that we would have a great conversation with our friend Kevin Ryan. Unfortunately, he has disappeared in a cloud of smoke, but we will come with all the potency we can. With a return of Tom Merritt, a lot of tech news in the uh, uh, ether right now, including the fact that for whatever reason, Elon Musk and his quest to buy Twitter has become a top political news story. Ron DeSantis saying on Tuesday that he is going to make sure through whatever channels he has, spoiler alert, probably not a lot, that Twitter does not breach their fiduciary duty in deliberating Elon's takeover bid. This obviously has political ramifications. We're going to break those down, as well as a new Atlantic essay by Jonathan Haidt that I think you should read. We're going to discuss. I've got some strong feelings. One thing before we get started, this uh, uh, is from the Politico morning email uh, that the Senate leadership fund has announced what they are spending money on and what they are not spending money on in terms of television ad coverage. The biggest spend goes to Georgia specifically to defeat Raphael Warnock. That's $37 million, 27 to North Carolina to take over the seat being vacated by Richard Byrd, 24 to Pennsylvania. So if we are reading into this, some, you know, amalgamation of strength of candidate versus the demographics and the trends of the state, then that means that they believe Georgia is the closest and they believe Herschel Walker versus Raphael Warnock is going to be close. They believe that North Carolina is kind of a toss up and slightly less of a toss up, Pennsylvania which is, of course, a seat being vacated by Pat Toomey. And at this point, looks like it is going to be Dr. Oz versus Fetterman going down the list. Only 15 million to Nevada to defeat Catherine Cortez Masto, 15 million to Wisconsin to get Ron Johnson reelected, 14 million in Arizona to defeat Mark Kelly, who is currently uh, campaigning as an astronaut who cares about the border and 7.4 million in Alaska to protect Lisa Murkowski. The big state left off of that list is New Hampshire, Maggie Hassan, who also has taken a trip down to the border. She might be out of reach, at least as far as the Senate leadership campaign believes.
1: All that. Bye.
0: We're watching right now wondering if they're boarding a flight tonight. Is the mask mandate still in place? We're
1: continuing to recommend people wear masks. I don't have any update. This just came out through the courts just this afternoon. And as soon as there is an update, uh, we will provide that. to you. That, that
0: is a uh, soon to be former press secretary, Jen Saki. She was reacting to the news that came in very soon before she went up and and took questions that a Florida judge has vacated the travel mask mandate put in place by the CDC. That judge is Catherine Kimball Mizell, a U.S. District Court judge in the Middle District of Florida and a Trump appointee, as was pointed out a lot yesterday or Monday, rather, She uh, ruled in favor of the Health Freedom Defense Fund's lawsuit against the federal government that was initiated back in July of last year. This is her decision. Quote, it is indisputable that the public has a strong interest in combating the spread of COVID-19. In pursuit of that end, the CDC issued the mask mandate. But the mandate exceeded the CDC's statutory authority, improperly invoked the good cause exception, to notice and comment rulemaking and fail to adequately explain its decisions. Because our system does not permit agencies to act unlawfully, even in the pursuit of desirable ends, the court declares unlawful and vacates the mask mandate, and quote. Now, here is the issue politically. The Biden administration just extended the travel mask mandate For two weeks, this was to gauge exactly what was happening with the B.A. variants. A court vacating that decision does give the Biden administration cover. There is a school of thought that says this is a blessing in disguise for the Biden administration. An unpopular rule goes away, and they don't have to be the ones that remove it. They can shake their fist and move on. And it is a pretty unpopular rule, at least anecdotally. Viral videos circulated on Monday of passengers mid-flight reacting to the announcement with cheers. I've yet to see one where the passengers boo. I would presume that they're... Might be some frowns, but those people were probably still wearing their masks. But wait, should the Biden administration just use this as a way to get away from the mandate situation? They would be leaving the CDC out to dry. Not protecting the agency that they just highlighted would be the one making the final call, not for political reasons. But of course, because the science dictates. So maybe the Biden administration, through the Department of Justice, challenges the ruling and then lets the CDC decide the fate of it, even if that decision is to rescind it. But wait again. The White House is under increasing pressure from among the most vulnerable members of their own party because they removed something called Title 42, a COVID-era policy that allowed quicker expulsion of illegal border crossing based on safety concerns around COVID. Many Democrats in the Senate and the House have criticized their party leader for removing it. We mentioned a few before, Raphael Warnock, Mark Kelly, Maggie Hassan. They say it sends a signal to migrants to come to the United States this summer in greater numbers than they did last year, which became a telegenic disaster and in many ways the beginning of the approval problems that the Democrats are mired in right now. And by the way, this isn't just a fringe element of the Democratic Party. Some of Biden's most hardcore stalwarts are now speaking up about this. According to The Hill, Democrats in tough races publicly criticizing Biden's decision uh, earlier this month. But now the pushback has grown to include the president's moderate allies, such as Chris Coons, the Democrat from Delaware, Biden's home state and Senate Homeland Security and governmental Affairs Chairman Gary Peters, Democrat from Michigan. Democratic aides on Monday suggested that the administration postpone the date of lifting the CDC prevention order, which is now set to go away on May 23rd, to give themselves more time to craft a plan to deal with an expected surge in migration. Should some of the bubble Democrats have their way, I add editorially, I don't know, maybe the Second or third week of November seems good. That'd be good. Be good. Later, later. I don't know. Thanksgiving, something. I don't know. Seems like it. All of this leaves a question for the White House. Which is it? Is the pandemic not over in the skies? Where passengers wear a mask inside the airport and onboard planes? Same with Ubers or Biden's beloved Amtrak all of which, over the last few hours before I recorded this, have officially announced that their passengers will now no longer need to wear masks. But wait, COVID is over at the border, at least over enough to remove Title 42. And by the way, where is the CDC's authority on this? This is a situation where strong leadership on restrictions based on publicly available metrics would have really helped promote transparency. And I'm a broken record on this. You guys have been hearing me talk about it for over two years. But just like the majority of the lockdown, whenever metrics were introduced, they were changed and dropped without much fanfare and people lost faith in them. If the mask mandate is gone for good, it's an ignominious end that seems fitting, disappearing just as fast as it appeared. As for me, well, I like to drink at airports. And beer burping into a mask is one of the grossest things I've experienced over the last two years. As you listen to this, I'm probably in the air right now. Antibodies surging vaccine coded and mask-free for me. Politics, Here is a scoop from the hill. President Biden has told former President Obama that he is planning to run for re-election in 2024. This according to two anonymous sources. The admission to Obama is the latest indication that Biden is likely to run for a second term, something the president has spoken about publicly. What a hilarious thing to say, right? (laughs) It is a hilarious sentence to write from the Hill. Biden has said publicly he's going to run again. He has said publicly that Kamala Harris will be his vice president. And yet people around him want folks to know that it's for real. So, You have stories like this come out. Who does this benefit? That's the question. And I would say that the person it benefits the most is Joe Biden, because whether or not Joe Biden is actually going to run, he needs everybody to believe as much as they can that he is going to run. And save for that, they need to just pretend that he is going to run until he makes an announcement. Joe Biden has had very little control over his party since he took the reins as president two years ago. And. He's not going to get more control if everybody knows he's effectively a substitute teacher and you need to start thinking about your relationship to the candidates that are going to run in 2024. He's been feckless in terms of his track record of getting things across the finish line legislatively now. Can you imagine if nobody actually has to pay attention to him? And so you float a story like this. But really, the fact that you have to float a story like this is really its own story. Again, Biden has not been coy about the fact that he is running. He said it openly. So why does this need to be out there? Let's read some of the quotes. He wants to run and he's clearly letting everyone know said one of the two sources familiar with the conversations between Obama and Biden. Yeah, he also had a conversation with the people of the United States. (laughs) Why is, I mean, the, the existence of this article presupposes that we don't believe him. The source also said that Biden, despite his faltering approval ratings, remains the most likely Democratic candidate to beat Trump. This was a key part of Biden's salesmanship to voters as he uh, sought support for his 2020 bid and the big reason why primary voters rallied him in South Carolina and Super Tuesday states where he sealed his status as the Democratic frontrunner. This is one of those times where I'm going to have to remind everybody he was always going to win South Carolina because he had Jim Clyburn's endorsement and that means a lot in a fairly low turnout uh primary but also He won on Super Tuesday because a lot of other people dropped out to make way for him. I I don't think he has that Super Tuesday if everybody doesn't drop out. And that was a kill Bernie move. Back to the Hill piece. Quote, I believe he thinks he's the only one who can beat Trump. I don't think that there's anyone in the Democratic Party who can beat Trump. And that's the biggest factor. And he might be right. I mean, look, he, he barely beat him before. That was when, you know, a lot of things were going crazy. Lockdown, COVID, the economy had briefly cosplayed as the Great Depression. A lot of things were upside down for that to happen. And now Biden is less popular than he was then. All that being said, I, I think if, if the concept is, well, Biden is more lunch pail Joe than some of the more polarizing candidates like Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, so on, so on, so on. I don't think he's the same guy. When he got the job, he didn't govern like lunch pail Joe. He turned over his biggest legislative priority to Bernie Sanders and let him argue uh, for it on television constantly. In fact, by the way, there's a new book coming out that that says Biden's deal with Bernie was that Bernie would take over the Department of Labor unless there was uh, an upset in Georgia, which happened, which wound up giving the Democrats Control of the Senate. And so, therefore, Bernie would be more powerful there. And he was. It didn't result in Build Back Better happening, (laughs) but he certainly was powerful. All of this is to say that an article coming out saying, no, for real, we really, 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 really swear that Biden's running has made me think more that he is not. I'm in the Buckeye State right now. Uh, And you guys sent me there, all right? I didn't go there by myself. In fact, I had a moment today when I'm recording this, which is the day before. I had a moment when all of a sudden news breaks J.D. Vance, he just got the Trump endorsement. Now he's going to have an event with Donald Trump Jr. It's going to be at a Holiday Inn in suburban Cleveland. I look at my flight. My flight lands at 1 o'clock. The event there is at 2 o'clock. Hour and a half drive. Even if I uh, 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 somersaulted right off the plane into my rental car, it was still not going to happen. If it starts on time and it is J.D. Vance's only event of the day. So it might. So I got to go. Ah, geez. All right. All right. Uh, cancel my Southwest flight. I get a United flight that brings me in two hours earlier. That's going to mean that I can go. I I can get, I'm going to go right out of Columbus. I'm again in my rental car. I'm going to drive my happy ass up to suburban Cleveland and I'm going to cover this stuff for you. For you and the first people that are going to hear that clip and any other clip I get Wednesday night or Thursday will be everybody on our Patreon. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go for that. Sign up at the $3 level. Now's the time to do it. Even if you're just going to do it for a a week and and then reshift down. Now's the time. Head on over there, takepoliticsseriously.com, sign up at the $3 level, get your bonus podcast on Thursday, free podcast live from Ohio on on, on Friday, and then any content that I get uh, Friday night or Saturday night before I leave back on Sunday, that goes in to the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday edition, and that's Patreon exclusive as well. Great week to be on the Patreon. Head on over there right now. Take Politics Seriously. For some reason, Elon Musk's prospective purchase of Twitter has become a top political news story, earning takes and commentary from all around the usual folks that debate red versus blue. Why is that? To discuss, we are going to stretch the expertise of our UK and Ukraine correspondent, Tom Merritt, who, if some of you are not aware, has had a little bit of a side hustle covering tech news daily, For over a decade, most recently on the, in all seriousness, highly respected and number one tech news podcast on the planet, the Daily Tech News Show. We welcome him yet again here to his true home on the PX3 show. Welcome back, Tom.
1: Oh, it's great to be here. And I sound sarcastic, but I'm not. I mean it. It really (laughs) is great to be here.
0: Why is Elon Musk buying Twitter a political story? And That's great to
1: talk about.
0: Yeah, before, now I'm before, being sarcastic. <laughs> before, before we get there, let, let's, let's actually roll back the story for, for <laughs> folks right, who right. only follow politics and for whatever reason are befuddled by, by what's happening. Uh, uh, what is the latest on Elon Musk's uh, uh, purchase, uh, proposed yeah. purchase of Twitter?
1: what's the sh- the short version uh the, the the short version is that uh musk bought uh, a significant percentage i th- i think he there there's all this stuff like well vanguard has more uh but vanguard's a, an investment agency i think musk is still considered the biggest single investor in other words he, he is a a person uh not a not a fund uh but but he's got a, a big chunk there was a moment where he was about to accept a board seat uh and then He backed out of it, or maybe they took it away, depends on who you ask, because he didn't want to agree to restrictions or he couldn't pass a background check, depends on who you ask. Uh, But in the end, Musk said, you know what, Uh, this board is not going to fix the problems with Twitter, and gosh darn it, I think they need to be fixed so I'm going to make you an offer that it'll be really hard to refuse. Uh, I'm going to pay you well above what Twitter was trading at before I started buying it up, and even above what it has spiked to now that I am buying it up. Uh, and your shareholders are going to have a hard time saying no. Uh, and Twitter said no, we don't want you to buy. <laughs> uh, they have what's called a poison pill provision, uh, which allows them to do some moving and shaking with issuing shares, so it so it becomes hard. And and it would make it more to
0: expensive for him exactly to do
1: it, right? um it. oversimplifying. It's like you can take control of a country but of a company by buying fifty one percent of their stock. Uh, so the poison pill kind of makes it easy to issue more stock in a way that makes it harder and harder and more expensive to get to fifty one percent
0: Twitter. let's and before before we get into any of the the issues uh, that that politically people have, with Twitter, how are they doing as a company? They're fine,
1: which is not what you want if you're a publicly traded <laughs> company.
0: I'm asking that a, a little bit because I know the answer, but also because Twitter, I feel like, is the perfect Tom Merritt company because yeah. you you are always like, hey, can we stop demonizing companies that just make enough money to pay their people and don't need to grow grow. a little bit.
1: They 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 make ads. Yeah. They
0: shrink a little bit. But they mostly grow. Mostly they they grow. They're mostly growing, they don't
1: grow fast. They're not beating the world. They're not Facebook. But you know, they're they're doing all right. And 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 I think that is amongst the problems that I, I think gets overlooked. A lot of people are like, oh, Musk wants to change the moderation rules or or he wants to go on a free speech uh, campaign, which may be true. I, I'm not saying those aren't part of it. But I think the other thing is Musk looks at this platform and says, that should be making a lot more money. Yeah. Uh, and if I take it over and make it make a lot more money, I get some of that lot more money. Uh, and and I don't think everything that Musk does is about money, honestly. I think a lot of what he does is about principle Uh, but I I, certainly at number two, three or four on his list of things is like, oh, and it'll also make me a lot of money, which is good.
0: Uh, Worth pointing out as far as Elon Musk goes, that SpaceX started because he wanted to live stream a greenhouse growing on Mars. And it was the process by which of finding how expensive it would be to rent all the equipment to do that, that he figured, wow, the bottleneck here is rockets. I could probably just build rockets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now, now we're at SpaceX. One last. twitter company question so you said that that has twitter officially said no or or it just it is all but official that they are saying no to to elon musk i know i know they enacted the poison pill thing but uh uh it 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 still seems like it is floating in the ether somewhere i mean
1: (sighs) I would I would have to dig in and do more research to accurately answer that question. Uh, and and, and, that, that and it might done. change
0: by the time that people hear it. So and, it, and probably, it might change by right.
1: the time. But but the the fact of the matter is they they don't get to say no. The shareholders get to say no. And so by enacting the poison pill, that's the board saying, Well, we're saying no. Uh, yes. so shareholders. You know, it could be going down with a sinking ship if you said, yes, it's 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 playing that game uh, of of trying to get the shareholders to stay on their side.
0: And one last thing, because I heard this line of dialogue on another podcast that I and I like that that talked about this, that isn't tech focused. But Elon Musk has said he wants to take Twitter private. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is not a situation where he would be beholden to the stock market. Uh, in the Correct. same way that Twitter is now, which he is surmising is part of the reason why it has gone astray f- financially or morally.
1: Yeah, I, 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 he has said he, want, he would think about taking it private. And of course, when Elon Musk says something, uh, it may or may not come to pass. He may change his mind by the time he goes, if if he sees different math. But I, I took it as... I want to make a bunch of changes to Twitter and I can't make them if I've got a board looking over my shoulder. So I'm going to take it private with co-investors that I trust uh, to let me do what needs to be done.
0: And this is something that he has uh, wanted to do in the past. He famously had the big 420 funding secured uh, uh, Tesla uh, Mm -hmm, issue. And mm -hmm. he has said he will never take SpaceX public because of some Mm -hmm. of the reasons that he has said here. Although
1: he never took Tesla private. But he never did. So, he never so, did. You know, there's that, he likes there's that to aspect say it. of it. He likes to say He likes to, to say it. things.
0: Uh, 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 a good yeah.
1: example of this, if anybody does follow tech, is Dell was a publicly traded company, and Michael Dell took it private because he felt like it needed fixing Uh, And this was not the reason I bring this up is this had nothing to do with the reasons uh, that Twitter might or might not benefit from going private. Uh, Dell was like, yeah, I I just think we'll have more flexibility if we don't have to react to public statements and make disclosures. So they took Dell private for a while uh, and it worked. Uh, He was he was able to fix a lot of the things at Dell and get it revved up and take it public again.
0: So now that we've gotten all these pesky facts out of the way, Tom. Yeah. yeah, Let's get into the real work. Sure. Why is this a political story?
1: That's a great question. Uh, It's political because it's Twitter, number one. Okay. Uh, And when people talk about Twitter, they usually talk about the political aspects of Twitter. There's so many other Twitters out there. So many. There's bird Twitter. You know, there's neuroscience Twitter uh there there's baseball twitter no, nobody yeah. complains about those they complain about political twitter political the twitter is what gets everybody's back up uh elon musk has famously been uh punished both in the court of public opinion and a couple of times by the sec now uh for saying writing things on twitter that people thought he shouldn't have uh and then complained that twitter's moderation policies are flawed Uh, And once you get into moderation on Twitter, then you get into the argument over who gets to set the rules. Is it a, is is it the conservatives or the liberals? And uh, with Elon Musk wading in uh, to the, to the fray, uh, a lot of people feel like he has a side. I don't think he does, uh, but a lot of people think he does and that he wants to benefit that side.
0: I would suspect that if Elon actually bought Twitter, that, conservatives opinion of him would probably not improve no like i think, I there think would you're be
1: absolutely right I, about I, that it, they <laughs> would not they would find out rather quickly that he doesn't really agree with them on everything
0: on everything right and 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 i think that that would be uh, i think that there would be moves made that would that would uh, uh not do what i think political operatives want out of twitter which is the maximum benefit of the algorithm to advance their point of view like yeah. that, that that seems he, he would to be make, the number he, one thing
1: but you know i can imagine a scenario where he comes in and he announces five changes and the first two uh they're cheering for oh yeah you're gonna do that oh yeah you're gonna do that the number three oh we didn't think you were gonna do- oh, number four oh don't don't do that <laughs> like yeah. it just it's like it, it it would be based on what m- uh, Musk personally thinks would make a better Twitter, not on what would benefit any political party.
0: In your mind, do you think that I mean, you mentioned that that there are a million different flavors of Twitter, like all mm-hmm. social media is anything that you want it to be. If you only follow uh, uh, accounts on new dresses that are launching at Target, then that is all that you will get uh, If if you follow sports, if you follow whatever it is as as wide and deep as the Internet itself. That being said and I don't know whether or not I am biased because I have chosen as a profession to poison myself with this uh, uh, line of discourse or uh, uh, it is it is factually in in the in the way that I look at trending topics and and they are very often about American politics or the the scandal of the day in the same way that I see trending topics about the English Premier League and and other things that happen to just have and and, and BTS things that just carry a, a, a lot of tonnage on on social media but is it safe to say that that politics is just about as close to a thing as we get to the monoculture as 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 we have right now along with those other, Issues—they're—they're they're just the things that people talk about the most on that platform specifically.
1: It feels like that to me. I—I uh, I very carefully uh, curate what Twitter accounts I follow, and so because of that, it—I do see political posts on Twitter, but they tend to be reacting to a narrative that I haven't seen, uh, and 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 so, in other words, I'll, I'll see someone saying. Well, that whole beige plaid thing sure is, uh, is a tempest in a teapot. And I'll be like, what the heck's the beige plaid thing? I haven't seen this yeah. thing. And then I'll go look it up. And I'll be like, oh, okay. Everybody else is talking about this. Uh, so it is, it is a pastime like any other pastime. And it's a very popular one right now. And people are engaging in it.
0: I, 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 I just have this feeling. That, that And this is a, 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 a comparison I think you're going to like. The people that are arguing the most against the concept of an Elon Musk acquisition on Twitter remind me a lot of the tenor and spirit of the Remain block in Brexit. Like previous to this, all they wanted to do was complain about the platform, but they don't want this change this is a change that, that goes too far. Nobody's arguing that Twitter's good, which is the funniest thing about Twitter is nobody likes it. Nobody steps up and says, I mean, aside from a, a few, this app is free, which is almost a half ironic, uh, uh, you know, shout to the air whenever something is ridiculous that is happening on Twitter. Like like no one's here to say, thank God this, this absolute uh, 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 achievement of humanity is something that I'm glad I spent so much time on. Uh, and yet everybody's obsessed with it. and yet, no, we don't want this person to take it over. it, it is it is a, a very interesting dynamic.
1: yeah, there's it's tied in with the whole situation of of Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, whatever. uh, yeah. where we are engaging with each other in a way that was never possible., uh, we're triggering reward centers in our brain uh, that aren't used to being triggered that often in that way. Uh, and I, the closest thing I've been able to use as an analogy is, uh, the, the green revolution where, and I I don't, I don't mean the green new deal. I mean, when we were able to grow enough food to feed everyone, there are still problems with distribution of food and that's Mm -hmm. why we have hunger. Uh, but there is enough food now. And because of that, we don't have the natural scarcities that keep us from getting fat. Uh, so, so we can manufacture all kinds of good, tasty, you know, sugars and fats and things that were rare, which is why we evolved to crave them and eat as many of them as we want, which is not what we are evolved to do. Uh, and then we get fat and unhealthy, uh, and that's not good for us. Uh, this feels like that where it's like, we, we have some really evolutionarily advantageous signaling going on, but it was never supposed to be with this number of people at this frequency, triggering the reward center of like I want a point this often, and and we're ill-equipped to deal with it yet.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because the other reason why I had you on was to discuss an essay in the Atlantic written by Jonathan Haidt, uh, who is a, a a sociologist and famous author. He wrote a, a bunch of books. He is. Uh, a bit of an icon amongst a certain set of uh, uh, thinkers. And this piece went very specifically into exactly what we are talking about, the the combination of politics, democracy, and social media. And specifically, he makes the argument that the weaponization of virality that has been uh, pushed forward by social media networks in the in the interest of growth at any cost has done permanent and possibly irreparable harm to our our lives and possibly our democracy i will point out that it is very interesting that in the magazine version of the atlantic this essay is called after babel because he uses a tower of babel metaphor throughout the essay on the online version Weaponized for virality. The headline is why the last 10 years have been uniquely stupid. Uh, so almost proving, proving his own, his own, his own point there. Uh, uh, what did you think of this essay?
1: I, I thought for the Atlantic, it was better <laughs> than that sometimes the Atlantic does. Uh, sometimes the Atlantic leans into to one particular way of doing things. Uh, but uh, I, I thought it was fairly well balanced. Every every time he started to make a point where I might want to roll my eyes and say, well, there's another side to this, he would acknowledge that other side. Uh, I was very much interested in getting to the part of it that was about solutions. Like, all right, what do we do? And like like many others who write about this, uh, while he had very well-cited evidence for the problems, he didn't have any solutions to offer that were were um, rigorously determined. Uh, but he put forth a few that I thought were were interesting and, and worth studying. So that, that is what a scientist like a sociologist should do. It's like, I don't have the, the work that shows what to do, but yeah. here are some theories we could test. Uh, and uh, among those, I, I thought uh, uh, verification to a certain extent might be a good one. Maybe it's more he's putting the cure to the problem together. But the problem I think he properly identified, which is we have no consequence uh, online for your opinion, which causes a problem. And uh, it is really easy to create false accounts uh, that make things appear to be more popular or trending when they're not.
0: So, and and just to be clear to folks who have not read the essay, uh, one of his solutions is either through A third party, the company itself, or possibly even the government, whatever flavor the, the customers would, would uh, respect the most, you should have to register yourself like you would to do business with a bank. Uh, you can still keep your account anonymous to the outside, but the Mm -hmm. platform or a third party between should know who should know who you are. Uh, that seems interesting to me. I, I I don't. I I I I think I agree with you that we are presuming that that has more of a uh, effect, or that it will not simply just breed a place where people can go without such verification if they want, or maybe that's the point: is that you want to strata out. It's good that we have an eight chan. An eight chan <laughs> should exist. For the people that just want to do and things, yeah,
1: want to do that, like, uh, like, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with with the problem be, that he's diagnosing. Uh, I think the cure that he he suggests is interesting uh, and and would solve the problem immediately. Yeah, but I don't know what other problems it causes. Uh, it it feels like it's you know in a world where everybody is very distrustful. Of tech companies having their personal data, requiring them to have more personal <laughs> more data, personal data might trip some some wires somewhere. I'm not sure
0: the one of his other solutions is and this is a thing that he goes back to a lot, which I found to be a little naive, is the idea that the retweet button, the retweet and mm. share buttons were a quantum leap in terms of the virality, which I don't disagree that that behavior certainly was. But for folks who were there on Twitter before the retweet button was there on Twitter, people were retweeting before the button, the button was there to codify natural. That, patterns. That's the solution
1: is make people do it that way I mean, so that it's harder. So there's a speed bump and it slows it down. And I will say There's some evidence that there's something to that because WhatsApp did this in India to combat misinformation there with with reshares. They said you can only forward something five times and it did have a measurable effect. So there there may be something to that because what he suggests in the article is you can reshare twice and then after that, you'd have to cut and paste.
0: Yes. I mean, I think that there there are, there were issues in, in, in India, including, you know, uh, gangs and murders and stuff like that, that, that I do, I I do think are are unique to some of the things that, that, that they did there. I don't know yeah, if, but, but the, if you, if you're putting it on everything.
1: But I think like, you can, you you can control that out and say, did chain, did, did limiting reshares on WhatsApp reduce the misinformation? The answer is yes.
0: Well, now we're going to get into what, is misinformation and, and, and what is it, but
1: yeah, I mean, and, and that's a fair question. Uh, and, and I don't have all, all of the answers at the ready, uh, to address that, but. Because no but I, one I, does, Tom. I do, that's I, the point. I, I do know that they, there were some measurable effects. Uh, I know I, I, yeah. I,
0: I do, I do think that, that specifically, and, and when you were, I I I I don't want to get too far into the weeds here on, on yeah, the yeah, medium yeah. being the message and the differences between WhatsApp and Twitter and Facebook and everything. I do think that they are different platforms in which their users behave differently. Uh, uh, although I I would agree that like hey look if they took I was by the way I was against the retweet button when it first came in because I liked writing RT but yeah. I also. Liked changing what the the uh, thing was so I could just lie about what the, uh, mm-hmm. I could literally just create misinformation by saying <laughs> RT, somebody else's Back thing. Back when and
1: misinformation then... was slow and done for amusement. Exactly. Back when
0: I used to do boutique, handcrafted, farm-to-table misinformation, mm-hmm. the rest of the 11 people on Twitter really liked Listen, it. Man,
1: my first website was a parody news site, so I, I was way ahead of the game. I'm with you.
0: I found the entire tenor of of it to be a little doomy a little mm-hmm. a little uh, and and I don't know this is something that we talked about the, when you were here in in Austin what I don't know and I genuinely can't have an answer to is I don't know if we are getting more polarized or if we are getting more coarse certainly I it I think people might identify themselves as more so, but I don't know if that's just because now we can see like now, now everybody's opinion is just something that we can now register in a way that before we were naturally just in our own bubbles by way of geography.
1: I think you're right about that. I think asking if we're more polarized might be the wrong question. Okay. I think the question should be about our levels of trust because it doesn't matter if we're all secretly in the center and there's just a, you know, 10% on e- either end yelling and mm-hmm. screaming. Uh, if everyone in the center no longer trusts anything, if they're like, well, you know, I, 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 I don't think the, those people on the fringes are right, but I don't trust any of these folks out there. I don't trust the institution. I don't, you know, that's that's when you really start to risk the decline of something. And we are at a low level of trust. So that that is the one part of this that that he brings into it that I I buy which is you know the the whether we're partisan or not uh probably not as bad as we think and and so the level of trust needs to be bolstered and that's where I'm less doomy than him because he's like I don't know if we can even win back that trust and I think we could we just have to identify that as the problem and I I start to hear people talking about trust in institutions more, but they're talking about it in a sense of trust is gone and we're never going to get it back rather than like, how do we rebuild that trust? Because it absolutely can be rebuilt and you should focus on that.
0: The one thing that I tend to default to, and I don't know whether or not this is just me being uh, a, a, a head in the clouds optimist when it comes to technology, but I, I don't know if I can in good faith materially say that anything we are experiencing now as turbulent as it feels and I'm here to say that it feels turbulent I am here to say that it feels chaotic I am here to say that sometimes you look out into the great digital abyss and you and you uh, have one single tear roll down your cheek like the native american looking at trash on the highway but I can't say in good faith if that's more traumatic than the telegraph or the telephone or television or radio, or any of these technologies that fundamentally reshape society. And they went from zero to 60 on it in a way that at least we had the benefit of looking back and saying, man, things were different before the syndicated newspapers and, and, and all these other uh, situations where all of a sudden we were radically different almost overnight. Yeah,
1: I, I think uh, it's worth remembering that before there is a solution, It doesn't look like there's a solution. Uh, And I know that's a tautology, but uh, I I remember uh, the Cold War uh, growing up thinking there's no way out of this. The Soviet Union will never give up communism. They'll never give up their nuclear arms. And therefore, the United States will never give up nuclear arms. And we are inevitably headed to a mistake at some point where someone presses a button uh, and widespread destruction And there's no way around this That's how it felt and, and anybody who didn't live through that Doesn't realize just how hopeless it really felt Yeah To be hopeful was to be considered a Pollyanna And maybe unrealistic And, and you know what, we should really just get used to the idea That there's eventually going to be a nuclear winter Was not an uncontroversial thing to say uh, And then the Soviet Union fell it didn't fall because someone came up with a plan uh, yeah. and wrote an article and said, here's how we get the Soviet Union to fall. Uh, it also really didn't fall because communism was necessarily doomed from inside, although that is possibly true. Uh, it fell for a bunch of complex reasons that nobody yet really still understands why it fell then, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. communism was doomed to fall, but was it doomed to fall in 89? Uh, why not 78? Why not 95? Right? So I, I think. I think it feels that way because we don't see the solution uh, and that, but that doesn't mean there isn't one.
0: And I, I tend to believe that part of the solution is that we are identifying problems and and that, and that we, we have gone, we have evolved really, really fast on social media. The fact that we are like,
1: if this was a, if, if social media was, was doing what it's doing and everyone was denying that it was a problem, then I would be way more worried. But everybody seems to be saying like, there's something going on. We have this new technology and we have this lack of trust. There's obviously a connection. I think it's this is where we start to differ. But at least we all agree, you know, there, there's, there's something happening here. And maybe we need to do something or maybe something will kind of naturally evolve out of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm not even a techno-optimist. I'm more of a, just a, a sociological optimist that, that humanity, yeah, I know it feels like you need to do something to solve it. Uh, But the fact is, and and I don't mean to be morbid, but if you die tomorrow, humanity probably can still solve this. And so it doesn't have to be you that does it.
0: (laughs) Tom, the optimist, it doesn't matter if you die. We're all going to we're all going to keep carrying. I'll be fine. There we go. Put that on a bumper sticker. Are you familiar with the term the long September?
1: Uh, Yeah, but I don't remember what it means. It sounds familiar.
0: Uh, Our our mutual friend Darren brought this up to me when we were talking about a similar topic a few weeks ago. The long September refers to a September and I don't know the year offhand, but the month when AOL allowed worldwide Internet access from their platform and Mm -hmm. that communities that had grown up with. People that were off the far more user friendly URL, uh, AOL platform and had created their own cultures and discussions. Now, all of a sudden, in an instant, the Mongol hordes Mm -hmm. descended upon their message boards, descended upon their websites and that we are living in the long September Ever since it was never the same. This is this was Eden uh, spoiled Uh by by everybody uh, showing up, you know, much like how Austin was really, really cool until the thing happened. Yeah, right. Uh, Right. Part of me thinks when I read that article, when he is describing height as as smart of a man as, as he is, is describing the behavior that we all see on Twitter and we all see on Facebook brain melted friends and relatives, screaming and yelling, breaking friendships. To assign that behavior to be unique to social networks is to admit that you've never been on a message board and watched people's brains melt and spill out of their ears and embarrass yeah. themselves until it eventually comes to the realization that you got to step away from the website like there is there is a, there is such a thing as hitting that dopamine lever too many times and and you got to walk away. And when I look at all this and you're like, well, we don't know what the solution is. I kind of think we do. Some yeah. people just need to realize that you if you embarrass yourself enough and you are putting yourself in a situation where you're risking your employment status and and you're and you're uh, uh, thinking less of people that you love. It's time to step away from the keyboard, just like they were just like it was time to step away from the keyboard on that Usenet group. Yeah, like, like way, way back in the day. I, I mean, and that's
1: where I, I think Height has has a really good uh, point about bots, uh, because bots make it look like there's way more of those people, yeah. uh, than than there are. Uh, we can do things to protect ourselves from being exposed to bots, which is don't follow anybody who retweets bots, don't look at trending topics, <laughs> don't look at the stuff that Twitter gives you because it can be fooled by bots. So you can take some matters in your own hands. My personal theory has been. That the solution to this is the solution that every online community has created since the 90s, since the long September, which is you have a community and you have community guidelines and they're set yep. by the community mm-hmm. with community leaders mm-hmm. enforcing them. They're not top down. Nope. Uh, they're not government imposed. The communities themselves do it. We did this very well at CNET. I want to give a shout out to Lee Koo, was the community manager at CNET, who did a wonderful job about of being a member of the community and leading community moderators to moderate the platform so that it never got out of hand. That is something Twitter and Facebook have never done. The argument is they are at too much of a scale to do that, and maybe that's the problem. Uh, but if you have a community developed instead of a wide open platform cesspool uh you have a lot more success at avoiding a lot of the problems
0: uh mods not admins i feel yeah. like is a is, a is a is a big lesson is that a yeah i took
1: a lot of words to say mods not admins but well right. yeah but, but exactly you actually it. Yeah, explained
0: yeah. it for people who don't know what that means yeah, but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and an admin is is god Mods are demigods. They Mm -hmm. can be replaced. They they step down. They step up from the community. Exactly. They have they have ways that they can nip and tuck. They're often the bad guys. Sometimes everyone everyone hates the mods every once in a while when they when they take away certain things. I've been banned.
1: I or kicked. I haven't been banned, full on banned, but I've been kicked. I've been kicked by a mod. I get it.
0: Uh, but but I, I I do think that that is that is a lesson to be learned uh, now more than ever. Another lesson to be learned now more than ever is that the endless font of entertainment and knowledge that is Tom Merritt is not just a treasure to this nation, but to the world round. Tom, uh, where can people find you, let's say, on a daily tech format?
1: Ah, well, uh I, I want to give a shout out to everybody uh who who came up and mentioned that they enjoy hearing me on PX3 uh, oh. when I was in Austin at the founders' picnic. That was very cool uh to hear. Like, yeah, I, I've heard you talk on PX3. I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. Now come on over to dailytechnewsshow.com. Mm. Uh you'll get all of my uh, approach to things. Uh, regarding technology, just just like the conversation we were having here. Uh, It's available for free with ads at dailytechnewsshow.com. Or if you want to get it without ads, uh, you can use ACAST Plus or go to patreon.com slash DTNS.
0: Just that simple. Tom, thank you so much. Thanks, man. And And that wraps it up for us today. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. You can uh, thank Tom Merritt for being on the show. PX3guest.com is where you need to head on over. It'll bring you to his Twitter. Say, hey, Tom, thanks. That is letter P, letter X, guest.com. Our email is the young American at gmail.com. Our Twitter is letter P, letter X, number three tweets. Our Twitch, when we're live, is px3live.com. px3podcast.com to share this program via the web with your friends, family, and clergy. And of course, all of our new merch can be found at politicsmerch.com. If you'd like to support, This program, especially while we are on the road, you can do so with a one-time donation. PayPal.me slash payjury. Venmo is Justin-Young-20. And uh, Cash App is PX3 Cash. You want to know what? If you literally just want to earmark, earmark an amount of money that I will tip a bartender, please do. Because when I'm on the road... I like to talk to bartenders, and if you just want to earmark, so a random Ohio bartender gets a a tip that you are doing, I will take no cut. Just send me a a uh, uh, send me a donation, and then just write X to the bartender. Boom, I will I will uh, do my best to show physical proof on Twitter that I have uh, participated in this pipeline. If you want to send something to me. Physically in the mail. Make it out to Justin Young, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. The area code there. Again, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. However, and this is important, especially when we are doing content like we're going to do over the next few days, if you want to support independent journalism, that travels around the country to bring you perspective that is unfettered, undiluted, and from my point of view, the sensibility for which you have listened to this show on, then the only place you can get it, at least the, 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 bonus version of it every bit that I capture is by heading on over to take politics seriously the $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we missed during our free podcast schedule and the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic $10 tier MC Drito unsafe DB levels Katie Double K Ranch Amanda the old pinball shop john TP 4 bongo knee nick's horseless diner no horses ever catherine persons familiar with the matter and vote for gloria for king of the new world order 100 mile runner edison up down up up down down left right left right b a start dr g headphones neil charles darren Alex, the owner of the Stronger Now Gym in Atlanta, Idris Arslandy in Bluefront and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Diana's Shrill Shrieks, Miranda Janelle, R- Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Redneck Tech is awesome. David, Brad, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted. Utah, Jimmy, Montana, The Jen, Adam L., D. Really, Chopper, J. Pink, Andrew, and Josh. You want your name there? Brothers and sisters and gender resistors. Let me tell you, the only place you need to go is takepoliticsseriously.com. Sign up at the $10 level next time you hear from me be it on the Patreon, be it on the free episode on Friday, which, spoiler alert, is probably going to be late. You need to understand that I am doing what I finally got a degree in. <laughs> or not, I'm finally doing what I got a degree in. I am applying myself as a traveling news journalist for you. Out in Ohio, covering that primary, Vance, Gibbons, Mandel, gonna see if we can mix in a little Ryan. I'm gonna, oh boy, oh, I got some questions. I got some questions about how these campaigns are behaving, what they're talking about, how they're reacting to Donald Trump stirring this pot, whether or not Donald Trump Jr. likes being in a suburban holiday inn. We will get all of these answers for you in the coming days. Thank you for fulfilling my. Life's goal, (laughs) my trade, allowing me to apply my trade. Uh, uh, This is one of the most unique opportunities in media. I'm not even joking. I'm sure I'll talk about this a lot uh, on the shows that are coming up, but nobody does this. Nobody makes enough money to travel and nobody's dumb enough to uh, spend money they make traveling because it's expensive. You guys make it possible and I'll be back at you. In a couple days. Till next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh!